right, well, welcome. We've got another uh, episode of Bubble Dutch. Um, we've just come off uh, a, an awesome night service um, where I got to do essentially the same thing, um, which was very, very, uh, very awesome to get the opportunity to do this. Um, but first of all, I'll introduce you. Great. You are David Bellistry. Yes, yes um, I am. He is <laughs> um, a, a, a prophet, like a, a, a prophet in the... Um, a well-known prophet in Australia, I guess, right. as well as uh, you're known for your 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 marketplace uh, ministry, yeah. um, mentoring people in the marketplace, and mm-hmm. what does it look like to be, uh, I guess, what does it look like to apply God in the marketplace? Sure. And um, you've got uh, your supernatural strategy, and um, you, I guess, you you work with the big dogs. Some of them have some, some yeah, yeah. Some of them have some crazy money. To tell yeah. Them. You're in a crazy privileged position, but you've also earned it. Right. Um, so he is, it's been a privilege. We've spent the weekend with him. Um, hmm. And it has been, yeah, an honor, a real honor. It's been Thank amazing. You. It's been lots of fun. Yeah. It, yeah. It's <laughs> been fun as well. It's been great. Um, but yeah, we're just, I guess we're going to flow on. And I've, we've got some questions um, about just, yeah, everything to do with it. Did you want to somewhat... I guess because this is a, a new audience, so sure. I'd like me to introduce myself yeah, a little so, bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I, um, I'm a businessman. That's it's one of the things I am. I, I have um, uh, enterprises in uh, the consulting field. I, uh, I own um, several businesses across retail and some other sort of investment spaces. Uh, that's p- one part of what I do, um, and then I also. Um, I also work in a church in a in a, a, a multi-site uh, church called Hope Unlimited Church in Sydney, Australia, which is a great honour and joy to be. Um, you know, my official title there is the marketplace pastor, and what that means is that um, my one of my main I'm an elder in the church. I'm a one of the senior leaders on the executive team and uh, my my primary area of responsibility in the church is to take care of uh, we have about 200 businesses in the ch- business people in the church and their families and uh, my area of responsibility is really their pastoral care uh, their their kind of ongoing discipleship and we just like you know some you know churches have uh, a kids ministry and a youth ministry because we recognize that those demographics in the church require, uh, you know, from a discipleship perspective, a nuanced, you know, expression of ministry. You know, like when when you're in in the kids' church, you're not going to have the Sunday adult preach, preach into the kids' church because you, you've got to contextualize the gospel for their, their age group. In many respects, my job is to contextualize the gospel, faith, salvation, the supernatural for the people that dominantly operate, uh, you know, the majority of their week in the business community. Mm. Yeah. Well, so that's what I do. You're getting better and better articulating that. Yeah, I have because I've got to hear you say it six times, like yeah. essentially six different ways. Yeah. But wow, it is. Um. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, this is a powerful ministry. Um. And by the way, he is talking to. I mean, we're recording this, but there is people in the room. We um. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's um. They've they've come along for the the conversation. Yeah. Extended conversation, I guess, from the Sunday night um service. So um, I think we should go. Sh- Let's just go straight into it. Eh? Yeah, great. Let's love, go straight love to have some okay. questions. Yeah. Um, first of all, let's. I, I would love if you could share a testimony real quick on a, on a story um, yeah. that you've. So you're a you're an advisor for yeah. um, or like I guess yeah. How do you? Sorry, what is it? So I, I, I'm an executive consultant. Yeah. Yeah. So you've had some uh, awesome, I guess, prophetic stories within that. Sure. Um, and I've got to hear so many, and it's <laughs> far out. It's so cool, and yeah. like. It's just just hearing it, I'm inspired. I'm like, whoa, mm. how can I, like, mm. you know, being in ministry, how can I equip and empower our business leaders in the church? Because, you know, it's there's, there's results, there's, there's kingdom results. Right. But we'll go on to that later. But can we hear a story? Like sure. A, one of those sure. outrageous stories. Yeah. Like, whoa. I mean, I, I want to qualify and just say that, you know, as, as, as the Holy Spirit was mentoring me, uh, as a business person into this space, you know, because it's, it's it's one thing to hear a dramatic story. 
it, the dramatic stories, you, you know, I didn't start with dramatic stories. You know, like it's like Holy Spirit is is very kind to us, and he 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 leads us step by step. And so, really, um, you know, the the prophetic journey, particularly in the marketplace, was where I began to, out of desperation, uh, you know, just business wasn't doing too well. I wasn't doing too well uh, in that space, and really started crying out to God, and was surprised, maybe um, surprised how God began to respond very directly to me about, you know, alignment and and problem solving, you know, because I always thought that um, you do your best and then pray, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and but I, I never, I, I never knew that God was, was that interested in my, in business. I, I, I knew he was interested in church. Mm. I just didn't know he was that interested in business. I mean, we, uh, let me ask you a question in a moment, but what, one of the things that we did um, uh, is we, uh, every year, one of the things, one of the patterns we do is every year um, we invite our business people, if they would like, um, to, we offer them, we say, hey, our prophetic team at church, our prophetic and prayer team is actually going to commit to take a week and sit in prayer and fasting for our business people. And if you would like, we say to them, if you would like us to specifically pray for you and your business, like specifically, um, you know, just just let us know. And so a number of the business people would say, hey, I'd love, love if you could pray for my business and um, uh in the early days, I just said to them, don't tell us any details. Let, you know, in as such, let's just pray for you and, and we'll give you feedback, right? Mm-hmm. So what would happen is at the end of this week, at the end of that week, um, the intercessors and the prophetic people would send me, so let's say we're praying for Bob and Jan. Uh, and so, you know, from an integrity perspective, we don't go and look up Bob and Jan or anything like that. So we just know we're praying for Bob and Jan and they're in business. Mm-hmm. And... What would happen is that, so the intercessors would come back and say, hey, like maybe, and, and the intercessors wouldn't talk to each other either about it. So they might say, hey, I, you know, of the list of 10 people, Bob and Jan were illuminated to me. And I just really feel like God's saying, you know, to encourage them about this or about that. And it, 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 the first couple of years, it was, it was a lot of more of that encouragement. Mm. But as we got deeper into it, then all of a sudden, uh, I feel like the intercessors got sharper, faith kind of rose. And then all of a sudden it would be like, hey, praying for Bob and Jan this week. And I just feel like, you know, th- this would be some of the feedback. It'd be like, I just feel like there's, there's, there's a major decision that's, that's about to be made in the business. And there are two options. And one, it's a, this is a real case. And it was like, one option is uh, uh, an opportunity from a supplier overseas. And another one is an opportunity from a supplier in Australia. And, and they're unsure as to which one to do. And uh, I just heard the Lord say that that uh, not to rush into that, that actually over the next seven days, God would really show them which one it is that they're to go for. Mm. So, so it would be that sort of intel, wow. right? That sort of intel. Yeah. And so I would then send that to Bob and Jan and say, hey, this is what the intercessors are hearing. And then I would follow up. I would follow up in five days like with a pastoral call and just go, how are you going? How did we do? Like, like, are we close? Yeah. Is there, and you know, the response would be, hey, I'm freaking out. Like, <laughs> you know, I just, you know, I, I, and I remember one guy said, I, I knew God was interested in my business. I just didn't know he was that interested. And it, what it did, it began then wow, to put yeah. courage in the business people to go, wow, okay, I, actually in my prayer life as a business owner, I, and they would say, I realized that I need to spend more time in prayer. Like I'm busy, but I need to spend more time in prayer because because if so God if is you're reading the mail, like they're yeah, be like, well they're just like even more. oh, so God wants to speak to us about things like yeah. this, and and that began this kind of journey in mm. in that space. So that was one of the examples. I think, I mean, you know, there's lots of crazy examples um, of of this space. I think one of the one of the more dramatic ones, just you know, because it's always cool to hear dramatic stuff. Um, was uh, I told this? I think it, like. Somewhere this week, I spoke about a, a, a guy, a, a young guy. He was, he's actually in our church, and um, I wasn't I wasn't his business coach or anything like that. I, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor in the church, and he called me and he said, "Oh, Pastor Dave, 
would you would you come and see? Would you come to my office? Like like, could I make an appointment with you? And could you come to my office? And I knew this guy. I, I knew him. I knew he was a businessman. I didn't exactly know what he did, but he was a young guy in our church, and I knew that he was doing pretty well for himself. But so I get brought into his office, and he explains to me what he does. And in the end, he's a, he's a land developer, and quite a successful land developer. And then he tells me the story, and I said to him, "Great, how can I how can I help you? What you know? How can I pray for you? Or, or what is it that you need?" And he said, "I I I've been in this deal, uh, this land deal. It's it's one of the larger land deals that I've done, and he said it's it's worth twenty million dollars." Right, twenty million dollars. So very sort of significant thing, and he said um, it's the, it's one of the biggest deals I've done. He said, but but I'm very astute, and he said there's no reason why this deal should be jammed up. He said, but it has been for six months, and he said crazy things have been going on that don't normally happen. I said, well, what what sort of things? And he said, well, like lawyers are making mistakes with paperwork. Uh, the bank, he said, sometimes like the, he says that there's been a couple of potential investors, and everything's good. And then he said, and the bank even approves the loan for them to buy this deal from me. And then in the last minute, the bank changes their mind and it falls through. And he said, I I just. It doesn't make sense why why this isn't going through. He said, so he goes, initially he said, I thought maybe he thought maybe maybe there's a problem with me. And he said, maybe I because he, he, he said I, I wanted to make sure. He said, I thought, oh, maybe I'm I'm in sin or I'm proud or something's going on and maybe I'm the blockage. And he said, but I fasted, I prayed, I, I sought the Lord. He goes, I there's nothing in my life that's out of alignment, right? I said, okay. And he said to me, and then I he goes, then I started to think, what if it's the devil? Right? What if the devil's blocking this deal? And because there's there is some collateral writing on it, and he goes, and what if the devil's kind of trying to bankrupt me? Right? What what if he goes? And then I got intimidated, and he said, because I thought, how do you fight the devil? Right? And he said, but over these last six months, as it's been jammed, he goes, really from the first time that there was a bit of a wobble, he said, I, I feel like the Lord asked me to call you, and I said to him, but that was six months ago, so why haven't you? Why, why is it taking you six months to call you, mm. to call me? And he said, well, because when the Lord tells you to call a prophet, it's either a good day or a bad day, right? And he said, I just wasn't yeah. sure which day it was going to be yeah. when I called you. And so while he's talking to me about this, maybe the devil's trying to block this deal, I get this vision in his office of Elijah the prophet being fed by ravens and, you know, and being sustained by the brook. Like, you understand that part in the Bible, right? And I see the, the birds stop bringing the food and I see the brook dry up and I hear the voice of God say, when this guy stops speaking, I want you to tell him that it's not the devil resisting him, it's me. I've blocked the deal. I'm thinking, mm. oh man, this is the first time I've come into this young guy's office and now I've got to give him this, like, you know, and I'm and I'm so I'm waiting, and I then I hear, hear the Lord say to me, and the reason I blocked the deal is because this young man used to listen, like listen for my voice, and it was very attuned to me. But he's become so successful now that he's into tens of millions of dollars, he stopped listening to my voice, and he's just trusting because he's a he's a genius, by the way, this guy. Mm. He says he started to just trust his genius, and God says I've called this this man to operate in hundreds of millions of dollars but wow. he's content to operate in tens of millions. Mm. So when he stops talking, I tell him that. I drop that bomb wow. on the table. And, you know, not knowing how he's going to respond. And he, <laughs> he, he straight away, he, from, the, from his boardroom, to, he says to me, right there in his office, he says, I repent. Right, I've stopped listening to God. Yeah. I, you know, like he's not a, he's, he's not in, like he's just stopped listening. Stop listening. He started trusting his own strength, mm. and he says God spoke to me many years ago, saying to me that He wanted me to operate in that sort of sphere for His kingdom and for His glory. He goes, but I got, I got content. I got, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, tens of millions of dollars every year. That's that's, that's not it's bad, not right? Bad like, yeah, it's, that takes care of your rent, you know. So, so. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and so he repents and um, he says, please pray for me. So we, mm. we pray and, and I mean, it was just beautiful. It was, you know, it's always beautiful when someone repents, you know, even as a believer, you know. And so that was a Friday afternoon. That was a Friday afternoon. Remember, this thing's jammed up six months, Friday afternoon. Wednesday, uh, unannounced, a Jewish guy walks into this guy's office 
buys the deal, $20 million, gives him $2 million cash that afternoon to sign the deal. Like, he texts me, he's crying. He's just like, I can't believe this. It's like five days later, this thing's just unlocked. Six months later... From the, uh, so he said, and he says, I've done the deal. I, I thank God, and you are my business coach. You know, it was yeah, like, yeah. you know, you are my business coach. Uh-huh. And uh, six months after that, that moment, six months after it, mm. he texts me one day and he says, I just want to let you know that I just signed my first hundred million dollar deal. Six months after oh, that, goodness. so that's yeah, that's the prophetic in the in, in the marketplace. I mean, it's so intense. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Man. <laughs> How do you um, get into a position where they listen? Like, how do you – was it just one of the – I guess, what, they they knew you were someone who listens and, like, that – how'd they – yeah, how'd they invite you into that, like – Yeah, it's, it, that's the interesting thing because, like, I've been, in, I've been in business since I was 10 years old, right? And then I, I stay in business, so 10 till I'm 28, mm. and at 28 I'm up to business number eight – and, and way, are you selling these? Yeah, like, making them, yeah, selling them, yeah, flipping them. them. You know, so it's just different seasons. And wow. and I come out of we I come out of uh, hospitality, and then we get into my wife. Uh, uh, my wife is a pet groomer, like she's in the pet grooming industry, mm-hmm. and then we get into the pet grooming industry, which is really. Uh, lucrative, uh, like lots of money that people love their. I mean, you know, people love their dogs, right? That's yeah, I'm speaking of the converted here yeah, no, and be. spend a lot of money on their dogs. <laughs> and in Australia, I don't know if you know this, but in Australia, we have the highest dog ownership per head per capita, and oh. so in the world, and um, oh. and people spend a lot of money on their dogs, particularly particularly empty nesters. When the kids go, then then they spend all the money on the dogs. You know, yeah. I mean, we had clients that that actually bought. Like, like instead of buying a two-bedroom house, they bought a three-bedroom house because one of the bedrooms is for the dog, right? And they bought like doggy wardrobes and all that stuff. Like, it's it's really, wow. yeah, it's it's next level, right? Into, yeah. It's next level. So, so we get into that, but then it, I, I get a bit like in front of myself, and I, I, I start a business when I'm 26, and it and it blows up on us, mm-hmm. and so I come out like I just you know, it's a big mess and I come out of that and I stop doing business for a while and I go into corporate life. And so when God calls me back into the business sphere at 35 uh, in a dramatic fashion, uh, I said to the Lord, I, I don't know if I want to go back to hustle and grind because that's kind of what I knew. I was a good Christian, but I was hustle and grind, right? Because I didn't know any other way. I didn't know supernatural business. I didn't know that you, I didn't, didn't have that revelation. And I remember the Lord, as he calls me back in, he said to me, I'm going to teach you a different way to do business. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that marketing or anything like that, I teach all that, mm. but I just felt like the Lord said to me, a sign, one of the signs that you, you're in supernatural business to me. Now, remember, I'm saying it to me is that you'll never have to advertise for clients. And I never have. I've never had to advertise for clients. And, that you know, they've come by referrals. Yeah. They've come by supernatural. You know, I think I spoke uh, this week. I told you about one that some of them have dreams, that I'm in their dreams. This guy, like I said, he hears God for six months saying, you got to call David to come. you got to call David to come. Mm-hmm. So by the time I come, he's ready. Yeah, like you know, it's, he's not going to resist much, and yeah, I just you know, I haven't had. Yeah, you know, not everybody follows the advice I give them. You know, mm. even if I sense it's prophetic, and and they have every right not to, because you got to weigh it. You know, I always say in the prophetic, I, I bit cheeky. I always say, look, I, I, I New Testament prophet, I'm not always right, but I'm hardly ever wrong. <laughs> That's good. In the prophetic, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not always right because I can't have that pressure. But in that anointing, I'm hardly ever wrong because I'm not a newbie to it. Mm. I, I know the difference. I'm, a, I'm attuned in my spirit. I know the difference between my thoughts and a, and a God thought. It, it feels what different. Is it, for you? it feels different inside of me. Mm. When you know, because so so as thoughts cross my mind, I can I can there's an energy because a thought is energy, mm. and I I can, I can feel that energy. And usually, what happens when it's a God thought? There's a couple of things that I discern. The first thing, a God thought is usually smarter than my brain. Yeah. 
right? So God Something thought you couldn't have. Yeah, it, it's usually it's it's usually a thought that it's a thought at a level of frequency that I don't normally operate in my natural intellect. Mm. The first that's the first thing. The second thing, the thought feels fatter inside of me. It's like mm. it's illuminated. It's a it's a like so I've got all these thoughts going across my mind, but this thought is illuminated. It sticks out, and usually that as it passes through me, it gets stuck somewhere. Mm. And it just sits there and I try and ignore it and it just sits there. And then when I look at it, it either turns into a vision or it turns into a revelation. And I know, it's like, I know this, this is, this is the prophetic. This is what it is. I remember I, I was in this, uh, I was in this uh, room and um, I'm, I'm about to, I was in a service and I'm about to close the service and I see this guy up the back and, um, uh, you know, it was kind of a bit of a, a leap in my spirit. To, he'd say something to him. I got, I got nothing to say. And, and you know, there's none, nothing's catching in my mind. And as I turn to look away from him, this thought runs across my mind, uh, Pied Piper. And I think, oh, what a silly thought. But it gets stuck. Yeah. And I'm... And I, now I can't shake it. And I'm thinking about this guy and I'm thinking about Pied Piper that's sticking in my brain. And I, I, so I just go, I got nothing to lose here because I got nothing else. And I just said, hey, sir, I don't know who you are. Can you stand up? He stands up. He's this massive guy. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I hope this means something to him because he's just like a beast. And I said to him, sir, I don't know who you are. I said, but I hear the Lord say Pied Piper. And he starts laughing. I said, what's going on? And he starts telling the story. He says, my mother, uh, as I was growing up, would always say I'm a Pied Piper and and as he says that spirit of the Lord comes on me and I start prophesying about um about his influence because that's why he's a Pied Piper he's got this influence in the marketplace and he's he he leads some really interesting dangerous people to Christ because he's just got this anointing as a Pied Piper you know Uh, it's just like like hectic you know (laughs) wow Um, because I guess you've been um because we've talked about it before um mm. on Bubble Dutch a little bit that it sounds like you really exercise that muscle because I feel like um, I remember even early days for myself um, you know the prophetic the more you kind of work that muscle the more that splits where like that highlight for you yeah like highlight becomes a highlight and what the brain is is very you know it splits and yeah in my world at least you know the more I practice that muscle because and it also when I don't practice it it yeah. gets small yeah and I can't tell the difference anymore. Yeah, in like it can go back it, for me. It can go back and forth, but yeah. Mean, what do you? What would you say as like for being an uh, for being outward in the area of prophetic? What does it? What does that look like? Do you think for what's a good example or, or a way that um, an everyday person can exercise their prophetic yeah. in their their worlds? Yeah, it's a simple, you know, like two or three I, things. I think one of the things that I did really helpful for me. Remember this at this point, I was just. I was a young businessman that, you know, might might have volunteered in the church, but I remember in my prayer time, I, because um, I'm a good talker, um, I I remember I, I I heard the Lord say to me, um, why don't you practice listening because you got the talking thing down packed, wow. you know, and it was like, oh wow, okay, um, I'll do I'll do that, yeah. you know, and so I. I closed my eyes. I remember I, I looked at the clock and I closed my eyes and I just tried to listen to God, like just trying to you know, calm my voice and listen to God. And it felt like forever. It felt like I'd been listening and I'm hearing nothing. And I thought, oh man, this must be like 10 minutes. I opened my eyes, it's been a minute, you know, and it was just my capacity uh, and, and it started. And I just, every day I just started going, God, I, I want to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't hear much at the start, but it was just the ability to, to get your soul under your spirit and get quiet mm-hmm. before the Lord and appreciate that sometimes God speaks with silence. And, and once wow. you were, cause, yeah. cause what he was doing was attuning, he was just attuning me. And then what happened is that all of a sudden I started to hear and it was it, it was interesting because I, I, I thought God was going to reveal to me the mysteries of the universe as I start listening to Him, and all of a sudden I start hearing, "I love you, you're my son, I'm I'm pleased with you," and I'm like, "What? Like what? Like I I thought you're going to tell me about the mysteries of the earth," mm. and and the first entry into the voice of God was just God loving on me. It was just God, and it just kept on, kept on loving, and then it, then it became, then all of a sudden it became this conversation, and and I'd listen, and and God would speak to me, and I'd, 
I mean, if anybody saw me, they'd think I'd nuts because then I'd respond and I'd say, but Lord, really? you da, da, da. And then I'd be quiet again and he'd start listening. And I felt like the Lord said to me, um, you'll, you'll develop your attunement in the secret place so that when you when you stand on the platform or when you stand in the moment in the marketplace, you'll recognise my like you'll you'll, you'll, be, you'll recognise my voice not because it's the first time you opened your ear to it in that moment. Like if you go, if the first time you open your ear to hear the voice of God is when you kind of need it, you're probably not going to do too well. You, you just you're yeah. going to be second guessing. Mm. But I attuned sure. in the secret place, and and that became a real secret, you know, a real secret of strength. You know, because people then thought it was just this gift, and it is a gift. Like, like it, there's definitely a gift there, but it it was attuned in a secret place. In just prophets, prophets, uh, yeah, need to listen a lot. You know, need to learn how to listen a lot, and begin to discern. You know, always, always knew when it was the voice of God is kinder than my voice. I'm not as kind to myself as God is. Um, I judge myself more than God does. He's kinder, he's smarter, mm. and he's much more gentle, and he's much more patient. And and they're 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 the indicators yeah. of his voice to me. Yeah. Wow. Mm. wow. You answered like four of the questions <laughs> I got texted um, mm. tonight. And, and, I, and I did. I, I mean, I got a cool Sorry. story about. Um, so in the midst of it, because because sometimes people go well. I don't hear God like you hear God, Dave, or to the clarity that you hear God. So I, therefore, they're almost like, well, if I can't hear God like that, then I won't hear God at all. And I, I disagree with that. I, you know, there, there, there is gift sets for assignment. You know, obviously I, I have an assignment in the marketplace and part of that, the nuance of that assignment was that, that I was going to help men and women in the marketplace hear God. Because by the way, you know, one of the major roles of a prophet is not to prophesy, but to teach and coach others and release and impart a grace so that others can hear God better for themselves. Because if, if, see, 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 because the assumption is, oh, the major role of a prophet is to prophesy, and that's not true at all. It's not true at all. A, a prophet is an equipping gift to the body of Christ to empower the saints to hear the voice of God. Uh, that's the pro how do you know a prophet's been in your midst? When they leave, you can hear God better. You can hear God better. That's a really wow. important one. Because see, otherwise what you've got is that celebrity thing. Mm. And the problem with the celebrity thing is if you buy into, oh, I need, a, I need the prophet to come so we can hear the voice of God, then you'll always need a prophet. Mm. But that, you, who's got a prophet that follows them around 24-7? You know, that's no, my, my sheep hear my voice. And so a prophet's job is to activate the believers so that when, so that they can hear God better than they did when he came, before he came or before she came. So, so, so I'm, I'm in this, I'm 20, I think I'm about 24 and I'm in this meeting, we're in this in revival meetings, the revival days, right? Wild, like it's crazy in the height of worship. It's amazing, and um, I'm I'm just coming into this 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 season of the nurture of the voice of God. This is really probably for me where where the call of the prophet happens to me. So at this point, I don't I don't know that I'm called as a prophet. Prophets are still a bit scary to me. I'm still trying to learn and figure out how to hear the voice of God. I'm in this meeting, and all of a sudden, revival meeting, and all of a sudden, everything goes dark. Like like everything goes dark, and the music stops. And I and I, I think to myself, what what just happened, you know, and and I'm having this internal dialogue because I'm everything's dark, the music stopped, but one second I was in worship in the, like I'm actually in worship with hundreds of people, and the next minute it's dark, the music stopped, and I thought I started to panic. I thought I, I've had a heart attack. Like like I'm 24, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've had a heart attack. And then I started to freak out more because I've had a heart attack in a revival service. In other words, I'm probably falling out on the ground. No one's coming to resuscitate me. No one. Of course. You're right, because they're just like, more, Lord, more. So I'm thinking, I'm dead. Like, you know, they're all going to go home and go, what's that guy still laying on the ground for, you know, and check me that I've got no pulse. So I start freaking out. I think I'm dying. Like, I'm dead. I've had a heart attack. And... And I started freaking out, but then it was almost like then I begin to realize I actually I don't think I'm dead. I think I think I'm having a supernatural experience. And 
and I, I see out of the, because I, I then, it's dark, I'm in the room, I'm laying on the ground, facing up, and out of the corner comes this light begins to come, and I, then I think to myself, is that the tunnel, you know? <laughs> but no, but, I, it, but it, it was a person began walking towards me. I could see it was the silhouette of a man. And as he begins walking towards me, the, I, I, the light, I could feel it. It wasn't just like light. It was like effervescent love that was pulsating, that was illuminating. As it, and as it got closer, uh, I have an Isaiah moment. I'm a man of unclean lips and I, I start, I, I just, I, I feel, I feel my humanity and I, I realize that I'm somehow I'm about to meet God. And, and it was the first time, cause I really only, I was a classic Pentecostal and a classic Pentecostal. I understood the Holy Spirit as more the power of God to speak in tongues and heal the sick. Mm. I never really understood him up to that point as a person that I could have a relationship with. I knew I could have a relationship with Jesus. At that point, I, I, I didn't un- really, I, I hadn't really, it hadn't really fully immersed that I was having, that I could have a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. And at that time, God, the father freaked me out. Mm. Like I just had no grid for that really at all. Cause I had, I had, issues, <laughs> orphan issues in my heart, you know, but, you know, that, that would be dealt with later on, but cause salvation, uh, God, the Holy Spirit revealed himself to me in this moment, which was really a spiritual awakening in the prophetic God, the Holy Spirit revealing himself. And then several years later after that, uh, God healed my orphan heart, which mm-hmm. was God, the father revealed himself to me. You know, it was, it was almost like the package of that. But so the, the Holy Spirit comes over to me and I'm laying on the ground and he does the weirdest thing. He comes and he kneels down beside me and he puts his hand inside my chest, like literally inside my chest. Mm-hmm. And now I'm freaking out going, what is going on? And as he takes his hand out, this there's a rock in his hand. And I said, Lord, mm. I hope that wasn't inside of me, you know, and he puts it, uh, he puts it beside me. And as he's sort of, it's, it's sort of an instantaneous moment. As he takes that rock out, the lights go back on, the music turns back on and I'm back in the room. Like I'm back in the worship room, like I'm back in the service, sorry. And I can tell you that from that day, from that day, the thing that I know, that I know was from that day, really the gift of the prophet was there. Like was, I was aware of it. At, from that point, there was never a, there's never, there hasn't been an, a moment where I've needed to prophesy and I didn't have a prophetic word. There's, there was like the gift, the gift That's is there. The That's the moment. Yeah, because there's a difference between every believer has, can operate in the spirit of prophecy. Uh, then you've got some that are anointed with the gift of prophecy, but, but for a prophet, um, it's a resident gift. It's a resident gift. It doesn't make me a fortune teller, but it just means that there's a resident gift that when I need to, uh, I can initiate that. Mm. And it's not always ground shaking prophecy, but it's, it's word of the Lord. And so it just hasn't from that day, it just hasn't been. And I, and you, you steward that, you know, a lot of people don't understand that You, you don't turn it off. It's just there in varying degrees. You know, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll have a quick reset. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We've worked you hard. No, you've, uh, <laughs> you've, you've, uh, no, we're good. Great. Um, well, and that's a that's something that I really um, I guess admire about you is that you're uh, you're a prophet. That's, I mean, in, in my words, because this is more conversational, is that you're not a weird prophet. As in, like, I've always, like, I don't know about yeah. you guys, but I've I've experienced prophets that all of a sudden go, and, you know, just all of a sudden there's this right. weird thing. And, like, I haven't experienced prophets like yourself. Right. It's very uncommon. And mm. um, if, if you were to speak directly to the prophets, what would right. you what would you say that could help um, align them so they're, they're people that can be received? Because I think yeah. there's, there's an element where they they are floating in the in the back of the you know, right. you know, the church yeah and they're they're kind of unapproachable people yeah and then they have this prophecy that's spot on yeah it's just like ah oh, but you're but you yeah you know like what is 
I don't know. That's that's brutal, but it's also yeah. Look, <laughs> one of the things one of the things that is a characteristic of people that are probably more prophetically attuned. Mm. It, it, a natural characteristic is they tend to be more sensitive in in their own nature, yes, yeah. in their own humanity. They tend to be more sense, like naturally sensitive, which is an asset as a prophet because it, it it means that your attunement is is a lot quicker. But but it, yes. it, it works against you as well because what happens in your sensitivity, um, you pick up things, particularly in the environment of the the culture in which you operate, mm. you you tend to pick up things a lot quicker as well, mm. and and you know uh, I there was there was almost like you know many years ago there was almost like a a glamorous thing that everybody wanted to be a prophet now everybody wants to be an apostle but back then it was like everybody wants to be a prophet yeah. and um there was almost cuz you know cuz then you get to walk with god and hear the voice of god and mm. and it's a, it's a wonderful privilege but but the process the process of being actually a a vessel that 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 god can use in the prophetic is brutal that's a brutal process because here's the interesting thing. The moment that that the prophetic leaves the mouth of God and touches your ear, it begins to become polluted the moment it touches your ear. It's no longer pure prophecy. When it comes out of the mouth of God, it's pure prophecy. When it hits the ear of anyone, at that point there's a pollution element, right? And depending on, you know, Again, your wholeness and your 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 intimacy with Christ and your inner healing. So you need to do those things. Otherwise, what will happen is, what when the prophecy is released, it's it's a polluted stream, mm. and it all that other all that paraphernalia when it is uh, when it is a, a, a coping mechanism or somehow that the prophet needs to be seen mm. um, pollutes pollute dil, dilutes the voice, the prophetic voice. And so I, I you know, I remember um, there's a great book um, by a, a gentleman that's passed on now, a guy called Lauren Sanford, and the book is called Understanding Prophetic People. Mm. And in the book, he has one chapter, and it's called, uh, the chapter is called The Dark Night of the Soul, right, which is a, a spiritual process. I think the book is worth that chapter. And it really speaks about, it speaks about, the the process of what it means to be entrusted as 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 someone who can speak as it were as a prophetic voice of God mm. uh, and it's brutal it it really speaks about the deliverance that you need to go to from the fear of man from the need of the applause of men you know mm. ma- you know it's almost like you've got to die to the crowd before you can you can serve them and and I just think that what happens is many people in their eagerness to to be in ministry and to to go forward skip those classes. Yeah, they skip the classes, and so what they are is they're half baked prophets. Um, not not because they're bad people. They just they didn't allow the fullness of the process, mm. and they thought that they go, that means they're going to do more because they got there quicker. But usually they do less and they make more mess. Mm. So you know. So that, that book would be great. But I think that's the thing. Like I mean, that, that that question statement came out of we need them. And we, like, we, we're we stumbling need. on things that they yeah. also don't want to be. Yeah. So it's like yeah, and that's 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 awesome. Yeah. The body of Christ needs to be prophetic, and the only way the like as in I'm talking about every believer now because mm. I I'm a big advocate. I I think parents need to be prophetic. I, I think. I think I think we Christian parents should be very prophetic. I I think we should prophesy into our children all the time. I mean, not again, not be weird about it. I mean, someone asked my my son. He was eleven years old. My older son. They said, "What is it like to grow up in the house of a prophet?" Hmm. And he said, "I don't know what you mean." And they said, "Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, your dad's day blessedry. Hmm. Like he's a prophet. What's it What's it like to grow up in?" A, he goes, "Well, I don't know what you're on about." He said, "But he's my dad." And he said, I, I don't know what it's like to grow up in a house of a prophet. If you mean, you know, that the voice of God, he goes, well, we all hear the voice of God because that's what you do. Hmm. Uh, to him, it was just a natural thing. Of course, yeah. everybody, I pray and I hear, like he's not, he was 11. He's like, I pray and I hear the voice of God. Because that's just what you do, right? Because <laughs> that's, so cool. that's, just, that's just how that is. And it wasn't weird. 
and I didn't, you know, sit with my legs crossed in a trance in the corner of the room while they're eating dinner. You know, like like it was just it was just that. And and there'd be moments, you know, there'd be just moments where he'd ask me a question and he would know that I was prophesying. You know, but it was natural, and but he knew it. He went, he'd say, he said, "Dad, you just said something smarter than yourself, didn't you?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I did." You know, <laughs> is that this like the secret one line yeah. of like? Oh, I, I remember he challenged me once when he was fourteen. He said, "Because he said, Dad, you." He said, "Dad, what happens if I'm in my bedroom and I hear God tell me to do something, and I come out and you tell me to do something else?" Should I listen to God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to this. He says, he says, he thought about this a lot. He goes, "Should I listen to God?" Or should I listen to you? And I said to him, Alex, listen, man. I said, you, you've thought about it too hard. He goes, he goes, what do you mean? I said, until you're 18, I am the voice of God. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. Oh, that's good. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I... Time. I don't like time. Um, I, we'll do a bit of quick fire. Yeah. Um, so we'll... Cool. Just, yeah. All right. Let's we'll do this. Stuff. Is that's great. Um, I've got some uh, follow-up questions from yeah tonight's um, okay. service. So there was uh, first of all, this one I think I've run this post pass it real quick. Was what do you do if so if you're a business owner? What okay. do you do in business when people offer you cash, as in no invoices? Yeah, and we're just doing cash deals. Yeah, I just think look, I I think I think it you know holiness right. You just if you're going to do business, you got to you know if you're going to do supernatural business, you. You got to do business God's way, and so um, you know sometimes it'll feel like in the marketplace because the marketplace is brutal. Sometimes it'll feel like oh I'm going to be disadvantaged, but I I just go you know this is the life of faith, and um, and that just says that if you walk with integrity, because understand that your role in the marketplace isn't to be a businessman or a businesswoman. Your role in the marketplace is to be an ambassador of Christ. So so righteousness and holiness is not don't do this and don't do that. It's it's accurate representation. Holiness is accurate representation. When you're unholy, people that are unholy misrepresent the image of God inside of them. Your job as a business person or even workplace or whatever is to represent God accurately. So I just, the question for me is like, would God do it? God's not going to take a cashy, cashy pay job. Pay taxes. He's going to pay so taxes. And by the taxes. way, I mean, I... Whenever I laugh, whenever someone complains about taxes, I go, go to a third world country and drive on a road that's got potholes the size of the Grand Canyon because that, that whole nation doesn't know how to pay tax and doesn't build infrastructure. And then come back and just thank God, don't pay more tax than you need to, pay your taxes because you know what, we need great roads and great hospitals and great infrastructure and it's part of, it's part of how you serve society, you know. Cashy jobs, I just think that is so base level, to be honest. Like, you're not even in the conversation of kingdom business or a kingdom business person if you cut corners, if you cheat on your taxes, if you, uh, I mean, you know, because, I mean, that's the obvious stuff. But what if what if you, you operate with greed? You're just as out of alignment. Fear, greed, corruption. Yeah. What, what, if you, what, if you, what if you bully your employees? Hmm. You go, well, I'm the boss. I can push them around. Like, no, actually, you can't. You're a representative of Christ to them. And I'm not saying, you you know, you, you let people walk over you, but I'm just saying righteousness is accurate representation. My job in the marketplace, my vocation is what I do, but my job is to, to represent God. I am the face of God in the marketplace. You know, uh, an, old, an old prophet said, God, uh, God is looking for someone to carry him in the earth, you know. Uh, we've got a high calling. Yeah. Yeah. Small business, big business. Sometimes people go, well, you know, I'm just starting out. So God knows I've got to, you know, cut some corners and that. It's like, you're never going to get there. Like, like you might make some money, but what's the point of that? Money's easy. Like seriously, money's easy. Um, righteousness, like just that's, that's a whole nother thing. You know, like you can't, can't do it. Like I, sometimes, you know, I get people ask me to consult them and as I interview them, I figure out, man, they're cutting corners left, right and center. And then they're blaming the devil for beating them up. You know, I go, you're the bigger Behind devil. Them, yeah. Like they're the bigger devil, you know. That's good. Um, so this is, this is about um, money allocation. Yeah, so yeah, we, great. We did a brief on this one. Um, was 
essentially this 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 person a business like someone in business yeah. um they were like hey uh what kind of how do i uh i guess ratio my 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 finance as right. in um so for example should i um if i'm getting you know like hundred thousand dollars coming in yep what kind of what kind of percentage do i do i give to the church was this was yeah. the, the exact example yeah um versus if I gave less now, right. I can invest that and make yeah. tenfold, yep. which is genuinely the, the situation yep. that we are yep. being asked. That could, yep. pr- you know, produce tenfold. Sure. Um, but there was, yeah, I guess, the, the question did go over, you know, like family, quality of life, housing, yeah. like investments. Um, do you have a bit of like a, a, a set you know, percentage, this always goes there, this always goes there, this always goes there. I have a rule of thumb. I think I think the, the big one is this. So people ask me, Dave, so should I should I tithe on the basis of the turnover of my business or the 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 profit or the the wage that I take? And I say that you 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 should tithe and give out of the proportion of your income, not your turnover. Turnover in business, you so in other words, if your business uh, makes a hundred thousand dollars in sales, right? That's not normally profit, like all profit, yeah. right? So you don't tithe on that, right? That's that's not what you're asked to tithe on. You tithe if 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 your business makes, let's just say, okay, every year if your business makes half a million dollars and you take as a wage two thousand dollars a week, it's a hundred thousand dollar income. That hundred thousand dollar income—that is what you you're going to live off. That's what you're going to tie from. That's what you're going to give from. That's what you're going to do. Because because the you might say, but but I, I take a hundred thousand dollar wage, but and it's five hundred thousand dollar turnover, and two hundred an extra two hundred thousand of that is profit, mm. right? Right. Now it's only it's only income if you take it. Profit to the business, right? That sits in the business. Mm. That sits in the business, and that should be used to build the business, right? Unless, because even because here's what happened: if the Lord speaks to you and says, "Take fifty thousand dollars of that and give it to a charity or the church," well, the moment you take that fifty thousand dollars, it's income, right? It's income. So, 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 I just your as far as your tithing and your giving and all the rest, it's on income, not turnover. Right, mm. income, not turnover. It's really important because uh, because otherwise, what I, I think I think there's wisdom in in saying, well, because you know you're a fool if 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 your business is turning over like turnover a hundred thousand dollars and you're taking eighty thousand dollars income out of it, right? And you're and you've got you know you're making no profit, like you're paying yourself too much. Mm. Like you're not you're not ready. Like you're not you're not ready. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, the reality I say to most people is, look, if you're a startup business, you need to figure out a way for the first three years to find your income somewhere else. And just, you know, your best bet would be to reinvest all the turnover capital back into the business uh, for the first three years, because it'll set you up. It'll set the business up on a massive trajectory. Most people kill their business's cash flow because they need to pull too big a wage out from the start. So the business can never, never lift. In Australia, only 4% of businesses turn over more, more than a million dollars a year. Only 4% turn over more than a million dollars a year in Australia. If that's in Australia, it's got to be the same in New Zealand. Mm. Only 4% turn over more than a million dollars a year. It's amazing. And most of them choke themselves too much. But, yeah, you don't tithe on turnover. You, But I but I do like this thought, by the way. I like some of the, some of the new business models kingdom people that are really motivated they build it into their business plan that um that 20 percent or 10 percent or five percent of their turnover uh is a goes goes to cha- goes to some sort of a charity or or some sort of church dimension mm. uh, and that's built but that's built into their business plan and it's built into their their pricing and everything else that i mean i think that's innovative Whoa. mission yeah i think that's innovative mission where that's before income yeah, yeah. So it's, but so it's part of so part of the business expense is the giving, right? Oh my goodness. Like 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 sanitarium, like sanitarium. It's major uh, global company mm. uh, underwrites twenty five percent of the entire expenses of the Seventh Day Adventist movement globally, and has been doing that for close to one hundred and ten years. Like it's yeah. it's it's why they built the business, by the way. 
They built the business for two things. They built the business because uh, theologically they believed that God, uh, the Bible speaks of good health hmm. and whole foods. And the second dimension they did was because they believed that um, they, they wanted to advance the kingdom through financial enterprise. So they've been underwriting, uh, yeah, the Seventh-day Adventist movement for 120 years. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, on that, like that's a, a follow-up from that. Do you have... Um, what do you think of um, churches having businesses? Love it. As in having, having financial Love income, it. yeah. Can't believe it's taken so long and we've been so prejudiced about it for so many years. Um, I think it's appropriate. Again, it comes back to calling. Not every church should enter into some sort of business ventures, firstly. Secondly, how you would set that up is very different. You, you don't... I, I'm, I'm not a big fan in taking the tithes of the people and using that for to invest in business. I, I think ties should be uh, for the operational and the wages and, and that sort of, you know, expression of the church. But I do think that churches, uh, I mean, I think, I think church buildings are the most underutilized facilities in most communities um, and they can be utilized in a greater way. I'll just give you an example. We, and, and hope you see, we have a business. It's called Kids HQ and it's an after school dance drama, dance drama, and mus uh, and and musical uh, company, and um, it's a, a we we we. So what happens is we have people that do an after-school program, use the church facilities. It's called Kids HQ. It's like a, it's like a dance company. People come from the community as a business. They pay for their kids to do dance lessons, to do drama lessons, to do music lessons. We pay the tutors. Right, we pay the tutors, which are uni students and teachers and that sort of thing. It's for profit. It makes a profit, like it, it pays everyone. It it serves so a community. Financially, is it under? So is it still under the non-profit side of the? No, I don't know how. It is no, it's under. It's under. What's well, under the? It's under the church as a. As, it's like we treat it like a um, like a department of the church. Okay. All right. It it makes income. Yeah. Uh, and what, but what we do is we take the profit after we've paid everyone their wages and paid for all the marketing and everything else we do, we take the profit, uh, whatever that profit is, and then we use that money to give scholarships to families that can't afford to send their kids to these type of programs. And we partner with the local school principals uh, of the of the of the state schools, mm. and we say to them, we we have so we come and we say, hey, we have ten scholarships for 10 kids to come and learn dance or drama and this and that mm. that's going to be that's being underwritten uh can we give you these scholarships and so that the school principal can be the hero right to these families and then these kids what happens is these kids come and become part of the part of the program mm. right and because you know what happens right we always do an end of year and a mid-year event like a awesome. thing and it actually becomes a mission thing because then all of a sudden those families become integral. Well, they're coming to the church every week because they bring their kids to the dance thing and then they bring the kids to the concert and they become part of the family of the church. So that's one of the businesses. Uh, the Centre of Excellence uh, is is another business. It's, it's, uh, it's for profit. Uh, I pay an administrator to run that. Uh, people pay for the courses. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, they pay significant... People pay to do the the entrepreneur. They pay a thousand dollars to do the course. They for the work. How long's course? Twelve weeks. Oh, yeah. Uh, the workplace executive course is uh, five hundred dollars. Mm. They pay. They, it's a full profit. Like, it, it's sustainability. To, what's yeah, the sustainability? But there's the other side of, you know, people don't receive as much. I don't yeah. know if you don't. Well, yeah, definitely they in, treat it you know? differently. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think enterprise, I think, again, this comes down to more a kingdom worldview, right? Mm -hmm. That you understand that God's enterprise is godly or can be godly. And so I think the church should be involved in enterprise, in social enterprise, in for-profit enterprise, in every way. I think, I mean, come on, many churches have got cafes mm -hmm. where they serve the community. Hebrews. Yeah, he, oh, yeah uh, I don't like, I hate that stuff. Um, you know, like I just, but again, I just think, I think if you're going to do business, if churches are going to do business, then they should do them with excellence. And so under that, so another follow-up from that is people that, people that have these ideas, these godly ideas, yep. um, what, how do you, how do you absorb them? Do you, for example, if, if you have the idea, do you run it or, 
you know, like, do you absorb all the ideas and say, hey, this is, we're going to kind of um, build the infrastructure, we're going to do it, right. and then delegate. So, yeah, what does it look like to, I guess, empower these these ideas? Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, most, I mean, the Kids HQ wasn't, wasn't the initiative of the senior leadership. Hmm. It was um, it was a young lady in our church that um, was involved <clears throat> in dance, and she just said, "I've I, I I I've got a real passion to teach kids dance, hmm. you know." And so it kind of started as that sort of a conversation, and then we just nurtured it. Hmm. Um, I, I always think that one of the big dramas in church is that. Uh, with ideas, it's almost like you, you don't need to control it. Just just equip or release or whatever it is. Mm. Um, like I said, that for us, it, yeah, so you, you create an environment of innovation and openness and all the rest, and not every idea is going to fly, you know. But, I, I mean, I've had some pretty, pretty cool ideas. I mean, you know... Uh, around business and around there, there's some there's some you know if you say oh well yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna start an Amway business in or a multi-level marketing business in the church you know like there is there are some things where you just go hang on we've got to balance here yeah. you know we've got to balance pastoral care we've got to balance you know uh stewardship and and you've got to it can't be something that's going to come and disrupt the culture mm. and the ecosystem of 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 the church you've got to, that's that's where wisdom has to come in so it's not just a free-for-all and hey do whatever you want mm. you know but gee i'd i'd love i'd love to have a hub a facility uh where it was almost like an innovation hub, you know, where you just hothouse people that have got business ideas and you literally just, you just hothouse them with, with you know, connection and, and entrepreneurship and all the rest and just see what comes out of that. That would be amazing. Huge. You know. Um, is there any burning questions in the room? Because I, I do want to wrap up. It's getting late. Great. Well, that's easy. So when if if you if you have money in your business and then you sell your business, right? You're saying, do you tithe on them? I mean, look, you yeah, whatever's profit. No, just you, you tithe on whatever's profit. So, you know, if if when you go to sell your business, you um, you know, there's working capital, all that sort of stuff. I I I just think at the end of the day. Anything that comes into your account that is yours to spend uh, from an income perspective, that's 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 what you tithe. You know, like um, turnover in your business is not your spending capital. You, you'll hear the accountants say this all the time. You might have a hundred thousand dollars in your business account. That is not your money. It's your business's money. Now you can make it your money the moment you withdraw that, but then you'll pay your thirty percent tax on it. That's your, that's you know, that's that's your, your taxable income. Yeah, You're welcome. Wow. Um, and I mean, I think we'll, I think we'll wrap up there because it is getting quite late. But sure. um, I guess yeah, is there any final thoughts that you that you're sitting on that you're feeling that God's kind of steering? I I just I love I love that we've come to a place with podcasts and these type of interviews where we can we can wrestle out some of the nuances in the body of Christ. I think it's really helpful for people to hear some of this stuff. Um, you don't have to agree with everything I've said, but just even sitting in these type of conversations, it's so helpful, so helpful to, so that you can begin to figure out, your, the, you know, your own kind of rest. I, I think we should be able to wrestle faith and faith issues and how does the gospel apply, you know, in my world, in my context. I think that's so healthy. And I think that it's important that we should have tables and context where we can do this. There, 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 was, a, there was a culture in, in some of the church world and is still in some of the other church world where there's no place for conversation and wrestle. And I, I, I think there needs to be a place for conversation, wrestle, doubt, deconstruction, reconstruction, but it should be within the context of family and it should be at the end of the day, uh, it's not your truth and my truth. It all has to be measured on, on truth can't be subjective like that. It, that's a fallacy. Truth must be anchored into something 
and we know the only our context is my opinion your opinion it's got to be anchored under the word of god or in the word of god that is the at that point that's the judge that's the weight that's the way in these spaces so yeah man so well yeah that's far out we're gonna um well again thank you so much for your um your time it's you're so generous with your time and your and your wisdom and it's um it's a real blessing and it's and it's yeah I've been blessed and I know everyone that's that's stayed around has, has been okay. blessed as well and hopefully everyone on the podcast yeah. um yeah is it any, any oh thanks for, thanks for having me on it's awesome. great Sweet. we'll do it again sometime I'll be keen see you next week